My name is Jim Cook, one of the pastor elders here at this church. We're finishing up a series, Dwell Well in the House of God. We're going to finish up today, uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 21. So if you want to go ahead and open up to that. Dave's going to finish it up next week. So come back for the exciting conclusion of 1 Timothy, Dwell Well in the House of God. I just want to welcome you guys here today. It is nice to be back in the house of God, to have everyone here, just to hear the voices. Uh, It's pretty amazing. Before we get started, though, uh, I want to take about 30 seconds just to be quiet before the Lord. I want you to really ask him, what, what, Lord, what do you want from me today? What do you want me to hear from this message? So let's take about 30 seconds to be quiet, and then I'll open us up in prayer. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that penetrates our hearts. Uh, Lord, I love reading your word, and as I read it, it helps me to understand things about myself. Lord, you know all about us. You created us. You know what's best for us. Um, It's just encouraging to read things that you have for us specifically, and we can take that and run with it and uh, put our hope in Christ and I just pray your hand of protection upon us, that we be filled with the knowledge of your will, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Um, Just, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a couple questions before we get started. Uh, I like to really ask questions. It helps us to really think about, what do we believe in life? Where do we go in life? How, How do we understand it? These are questions I ask myself all the time. It's in the bulletin as well. There's a couple more questions. But uh, one of the questions I like to ask is, if God were to come to you in a dream, maybe a vision or even face-to-face, and he were to ask you one thing, it's that genie in the bottle question we all have as a kid, um, and God says, ask me one thing and I will grant you that request. What would that be? I think mo- many of us, it would be money. I know people talk about wealth. Um, they would, they would uh, talk about health. And how many times have you heard that, well, at least I got my health? Um, maybe it's your job, uh, maybe it's a pension, but I want to go back to, to first Kings. King David had just died uh, he'd anointed his son Solomon to be king of Israel in his place. And, and Solomon probably 20, 24 years old in that range right there. So just a young man uh, ruling a whole nation, but God does come to him in a vision. He comes to him in a dream and he asks him one request and I'll grant it to you. He had the world at his feet. He could have asked anything and God would have granted it to him. And what's the one thing that he, he requested? He, in humility, he said, look, Lord, like you've blessed my father. Uh, you, who am I to be king? You've blessed me. To, you set me over your people. The one thing that I ask for is give me wisdom to judge your people fairly. Judge your people between what is right and wrong. I mean, how many of us would actually grant, would ask that of God? Well, I think God was so pleased with this. Uh, that he not only gave him the wisdom to judge his people, but he, he gave him that honor. He gave him the wealth. And if you read the scriptures, if you read history, Solomon was one of the wealthiest kings. He's one of the wisest kings to have ever lived. I know some of the decisions after in life may have gone a little astray, but um, we, we look at what King Solomon did. We look at the Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, 
some rich wisdom there. In fact, as I, read, as I was preparing this message, Ecclesiastes, I read through it. It's just amazing stuff. So I'd encourage you guys. Um, another question I'd ask here, and it's kind of what the song was saying, where does your hope lie? Is it in money? Is it in wealth? Is it in health? What about your pensions? And what happens if that all goes away? Then what happens? So that's what we're going to talk about. Our hope is in Christ today. Uh, let's open up to chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. We're going to read verses 17 through 21. Uh, we got them up on the, the screen for you. It's from the English Standard Version. Uh, let's start in verse 17 here. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but set their hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing that, some have swerved from the faith. Now, I got to say, since the beginning of time, man has always wanted, they've always desired for more. God has always had to warn us about wealth and possessions, and and more the desire for wealth and possessions. And I I know it might be a stretch, but I think you go back to Adam and Eve in the garden and think about it. I always try to imagine what God had created it. It was well. He creates Adam and Eve. Uh, just this, I couldn't imagine like this amazing garden in front of them. They had everything at their disposal. They're tilling the ground. They're tilling the land. God tells them, hey, eat any of the fruit of this tree in, in this garden, any of it, but not the one in the middle, not the, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was his one request. That was the one stern warning that God had for them. Well, as you know, the story, they would disobey uh, it was set for the rest of a lifetime. They'd be kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and, and we'd be paying for the sins, literally. Um, not that we probably would have done it ourselves, but um, they just had to have one more piece of fruit. How is that in our lives? Do we always need that extra dollar, that extra piece of food? And me, I, I think of walking by, um, go, I always, always, when I get a sandwich, and I think about that, okay, Lord, Am I ready to give my sandwich away? And I know that sounds silly. I could just go back and get another sandwich. But we all do this, right? We all hold on to what we have. Uh, we, just, we want that extra. But God calls us to be, to be prepared to share. I want to move on a, a couple thousand years in the future. Um, the Israelites were in bondage. God put them in slavery in Egypt for well over 400 years. And this was a promise that he granted in the beginning. Um, he brings them out of Egypt. You remember the story in Exodus. Moses brings them out. Uh, he brings them in, into the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, shoes that, that never fail. Clothes that never fail. He gives them the manna of life, the water of life. Foreshadowing Jesus, of course. But uh, they're about to go in the promised land. And Moses has a, a command from them from the Lord. And it, it has to do with wealth and possessions. It can very well apply to us here today. So I want you to listen. And this is on the screen here. It's from Deuteronomy. Uh, it's chapter 8, verses 11 through 20. And listen to what God is saying. These are the words of God, mind you. 
This is God speaking not only back then, but he's speaking to us today. And this is what he says. Let's go to verse 11. It says here, and remember, they're about to go into this land filled with milk and honey, just amazing stuff. And he says to them, he's all, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statue, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, you have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds, your flocks, they multiply your silver and gold. That could be talking about our pensions, our stocks and bonds. That's all multiplied. All that you have is multiplied. Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. He's the one who brought us out of the land of Egypt. He's the one that brought us out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents, its scorpions, the thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock. God fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you, that you would do good in the end. But beware, lest you say in your heart, and how many of us say this about our wealth, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord. How much is that, does that apply to us today? Um, I'm sure this, it's something that's on my mind quite a bit, but um, it has to do with being obedient to God, to what he has called us to. But I want you to, just to think about this for a sec, um, God is the one, he, he loves to bless his children. He delights in those who follow after him. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's not trying to, he's not trying to set us back. He's not trying to hinder us. Uh, he, know, he created us. He knows what's best for us. He wants to bless us with wealth. But you see, when, when, uh, when we, we take it out of perspective, we, we miss the whole point, right? God wants to bless us so that we bless others because that's how God has created us to be givers. He's created us not only to receive, but he's created us to give um, if you think about, I, what, like 2,300 verses in the Bible about the topic of money, wealth, and possessions. 25% of Jesus' parables are about money, and they're, they're not all favorable. Uh, but, but don't get me wrong here. We can, I think, we can read a lot into this passage and, and nitpick it or whatever, but um, riches aren't bad in itself. It's the desire for them. It's what you do with them. Wealth is not right or morally wrong. It's neutral. It just is, right? And, and if you're wealthy or not, it doesn't mean you're blessed by God or you're not blessed by God. I think there's a tendency to think that like, um, oh man, I, that guy has much more than I do. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm sinning. Maybe it is, but most likely it's not. I just, I think of, of Jesus. Um, he, he had all the disposal of the world at his fingertips, but he gave it up for us. He gave it up in, in his wealth. He gave it up in his poverty so that we would be rich. Um, it's, again, it's keeping that perspective of life. And it's asking those questions. 
Where, where is my hope? What am I putting it into? Um, I, I think there's that tendency, too, of people thinking, that, oh, you know what? I, I can handle wealth. I, I wish if you just give it to me, um, I, I can handle it. You know, how many times have you heard that? And, and it's interesting, though, because I think of um, the lottery winners. I look, look at celebrities that, and, and athletes that get tons of money. And I, I hear it all the time. Oh, man, you know, I bet you if I, I would do it different, I would hold on to it different. Well, I don't think we really know until we are put in that position to handle the money. Again, I'm not trying to demonize the wealth, the riches. I'm just trying to put it all in perspective. Because I think when you understand the perspective that Christ has given us to give to others and to enjoy riches for ourselves, that we can actually enjoy God, right? Now, I'm sure you guys have heard the, the saying, money makes a great slave but a horrible master. So powerful, so true, to be in debt and enslaved to money, but make it work for you. I also love the proverb. Uh, it's by Augur. It's, it's, I rarely hear this, but I, when I was in college, I, reading through the scriptures again, man, this is a word that, that crept up on me, and I love it. And it goes like this. Uh, Augur, he's talking to the Lord, and he says, look, Lord, he's all two things I ask of you. Please deny, do not deny them before I die. Give me uh, remove far from me falsehood and lying. That's number one. And second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you, or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord. I got to say, this kind of sums up the attitude that we should have towards wealth, right? Um, basically, be thankful for what you have. If God blesses you with wealth, praise God. If he takes it away, if he doesn't bless you with it, praise God. Why? Because he is our hope. He is our one. And and the riches, this is all just a shadow of the things to come in heaven. These are the things that we're going to look forward to, the the, the true riches of Christ that we'll have eternally. I know I kind of went off on a little tangent there, uh, but I want to bring it back in. I want to bring it, uh, as we get a little closer to the text here, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Um, it's, it's the church of Ephesus. It's, it's in the middle of a, a wealthy, thriving, affluent community. The, the, the um, temple of Artemis is there. It, a lot of debauchery, uh, tomfoolery, if you say, if you will. But um, you, you could compare Ephesus to maybe like a New York City, Silicon Valley per se. So you can see a lot of wealth going around us, right? I, I think uh, we could get lost in it. And it's easy to get lost in the beauty, the riches. And it's easy for the culture to seep into the church. Is culture having an impact on us? Or is the church having an impact on the culture? Well, amidst all this, though, uh, Paul is commanding Timothy. Um, he's telling him, look, speak in, in a gentle and understanding way when you reprove people. In fact, if you go to the very beginning, I think this is where the core of the letter really starts, when he's telling Timothy all this instruction, look, guard against false teaching. Um, but this is the goal of our instruction. It's not to put people down. It's not to show them, hey, I'm better than you. It's, it's, he says this here. Our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And I assure you, Christian, when any decision that you have to do, when you have to confront someone, if you do it out of love, that's going to win your brother and sister. 
That's going to go far, much further than, than a, a, severe, a severe rebuke. Um, so we, we approach the end of this letter. And again, I, Paul knows this charge is going to be quite intimidating to Timothy. Uh, I think this is why Dave talked about this last week. Paul breaks out into a praise all of a sudden. Hey, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. It's the power of Christ in us. It's not me. It's not Jim Cook telling people, hey, you guys need to do this. It's it's the power of Christ working through us. I want to read, I want to start off in verse 8, because I think this really emphasizes our our verse for today. But um, this is what it says, verse 8. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. They fall into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I want you to get this here. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this, this craving, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And what does he say? So this is an encouragement that he says here. He's a look, Timothy, you're a man of God. You're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is your strength. I want you to flee these things. Pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. I'd encourage you to look up what each one of those means. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of that which, you made, which made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says here, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and to Christ Jesus. He is the testimony. Um, He is the one that gave the testimony before Pontius Pilate. He made the good confession. Keep the commandment unstained and free from the reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. And get this. He, this is talking about Christ. He is the blessed and only sovereign. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. Christ dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen and can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion forever. Now we go, Paul continues on here. He tells Timothy, look, verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now get this, guys. So verse 9, he's instructing those who are not rich yet. He's instructing them, don't desire to be rich. Stay in your lane. Go as where God has called you. But here now in verse 17, he is instructing those who are already rich. This definitely is talking about very wealthy individuals. Um, again, here in this Ephesians church, you had wealthy individuals who maybe by, worth, by birth, by work, they'd accumulated for lands, um, goods, slaves even. Uh, Gria talked about that a couple weeks ago. Bond, slaves or bond servants. But uh, you could kind of see how this would be t- intimidating. Can you imagine Bill Gates coming in here? Or let's take Elon Musk, for, for example. Very powerful, eccentric, super wealthy. I'm sure he commands charge of a room. You know when he comes in the room, I can only imagine. And it's like... Um, Steve, I need you to tell Elon Musk um, about his riches, how to control them. Would you be able to do that for me? (laughs) Could you imagine that? I mean, it's pretty intimidating. And so, um, 
This, this is kind of what Paul is talking to Timothy here. And this is why he had to exhort him like, hey, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who rules the heavens and the earth, who created us, he's the power in you. He's the one that's able to command the rich. And this is what he is able to tell them. Now, again, the interpretation of this passage applies to the very wealthy, but the application applies to all of us here. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard it said, look, if you have indoor plumbing, you are considered well off. How fortunate and how thankful we are for that. And as I was preparing this message, I mean, I couldn't help but think like, we, we have nice seats, we have the, the heater on, um, I have a speaker to speak into, but I think about like, what would it really be like to go to a poor country, to go to people who, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. They don't know if they're even going to survive till tomorrow. I couldn't imagine like having my kids like worrying, are they going to live through another night? So I, I, I just think about that. Um, I know that's a different tone. It's just, just something I'm thinking of. But this is what it talks about. Paul tells Timothy, like, charge these guys not to be haughty. I think this is probably an old-fashioned term, but maybe, I'm sure you guys understand it, a conceited, prideful, arrogant, all puffed up. Um, you guys get the point. It's, it's really, the, the term means not to think of ourselves more than we ought to. Uh, not only that, but not to think of yourself better than others and to think others lowly of them. I think that's the typical thing. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, Rich people, oh yeah, I've I've made my wealth. Um, You're just lazy. That's why you're not rich. Um, I I think that could sometimes be the the tone that we get. But um, none of us are self-made. None of us make it on our own. We we were all born. Uh, We were raised. Yes, we got admonition instruction from many people. Um, maybe we had to work hard for it, but God is the one who provides us with the wealth and the power. So back to verse 17. So it, it can, you're to instruct them not to be haughty, but also listen to this. Don't place your hope in the uncertainty of riches, but place your hope in God. Why is this? We know riches are fleeting. God is eternal. Um, money can go flu, flow through our hands. Uh, It says here, too, that God is the one that richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Again, this is nothing new. God had mentioned this all the way back in the very beginning in in the verse that we just read. So again, Paul is not condemning wealth. He's not condemning uh, riches. When used properly, it can have a huge influence on people. Um, God can use it to bless others, and we can enjoy the blessings but again, I just want to say that the term, the rich may have the notion that riches would secure their happiness and satisfaction. And not only in this present age, that it would make us feel good, but for the future. Oh, if I set up my 401k, I got my pension, I'm good for the future. But, and I just want to pull back a bit before we get carried away. Um, I think there's a tendency too, is, yeah, you rich people, you rich, which... It's pointing the fingers at us, right? I think all of us, we eat pretty well, have cars to drive. Um, but there's a tendency to condemn. We always think the person that makes more money than me is richer than me. Um, and I'm not just talking about the Bill Gates but, um, and the Elon Musk. But uh, there's that pointing the finger. Yeah, the rich, they need to contribute more. They need to do all this for. It's like, well, well look at ourselves. Because if what God has given us, if we can't be generous with that, Who's to think that we're going to be generous with massive wealth, right? 
So we're not to condemn others, and it's just anyone in life, whether it's the rich, whether it's the poor. Um, and just know God has concerns. He, has, he loves the rich. He's the one that blesses them. Um, again, he, he blesses us. So I guess we're not to condemn ourselves, right? We're, we're keeping it in the right perspective. Again, riches can't buy eternal life. It can't buy happiness. Uh, I, I, I just think of, um, I know many of you been, were affected by this, but um, the dot-com bust in the 2000s, I think the financial crisis in, in 2008, many of you had stocks, pensions. I know I've talked to many of you here, a lot of my friends, whatever, that was their hope. That was their nest egg. And I understand. I get it. Like, that got all taken away. Um, and so much point. I, I saw, we saw, I saw, being a firefighter paramedic, I saw the other side of it. I saw the suicides. And they weren't the, the, the best of them. Um, we, we had to bear the brunt of it. It's, it's pretty tragic. But, um, and, and, you know, it's interesting, though. This, this city of Ephesus, and I imagine it's going to be like our cities today, they're beautiful. They're flowing with wealth and, and uh, just magnificence. You guys know what Ephesus is now today? It's a heap of ruins. It's a tourist attraction. Uh, how, and, and to think that, who, who's, who would think that Silicon Valley, maybe, maybe 20 years, 50 years, quite possibly 100 years, if not earlier, would we think of this town being a tourist attraction someday? Oh, there used to be a lot of wealth. There used to be a lot of rich here. Uh, Bill Gates has come through here. Elon Musk, the presidents of the United States. It's just something to think about. Um, I want to continue on this passage. We'll go to verse 18. So if they're not to be haughty, if they're not to put their, their hope in the uncertainty of, of riches but in, in Christ, verse 18 says this. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. There's much to glean in these two verses here. I think we could easily miss it, though. You kind of go to the end of this here, verse 19, and it says, that which is truly life. Do you ever wonder about that? What, what is life really about? Why are we here? I love to enjoy things. I love to enjoy the, the fruits that God has given us, especially time with my wife, my kids, my family, um, and my friends. I, I, who doesn't like to have a big party over, barbecue, whatever, friends are over, you guys are having a good time? Praise God for that. Use that. Use it to glorify him. But what is truly life? And that's part of being, that's part of life, right? But I think of the words of Jesus Christ in John 10.10, 10, he says that the, that the thief comes to steal, destroy, and kill. But I come that you might have life, that you might have a full life. And that means it's a full and meaningful life. When we begin to realize that, and I think Christ knows what he's talking about, uh, we begin to see what, what a true life is really all about. And when we begin to realize the, uh, when we do good, when we're rich in good works, when we're generous, when we're ready to share, life is... It's genuine, it's fulfilling, uh, beyond our expectations, and this is only possible in Christ, and, and he is our example, um, he, and he, he promises life worth living. When Christ says, follow him, 
and do things the way he caused us to, to live. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy in this lifetime, but we're storing up treasures in heaven. We know, again, our pensions, our 401ks, that can all be taken away. Our jobs can be taken away. But eternity with Christ will never get taken away. And when you understand that and hold on to that, you can lose your job. You can lose your pension. It doesn't mean you're not going to get sad over it. But we know our true hope is in eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, something else, the good works thing. Um, I love Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared beforehand that we ought to walk in them. Christ has prepared these good works for us. It's not like this. I think sometimes um, people think like, okay, what can I do today to do a good work? Let me see, help the lady across the street, um, maybe say hi to the, the man, the poor man or whatever. But you know what? Christ, when you're in Christ, when you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, when you're in his word, when you're in tune with him, and when you're in fellowship with others, you, you don't have to ask those things. God prepares them for us. He prepares those good works for us. I just think about the times uh, I'm, I'm going to the store, the auto shop, um, maybe the gas station, going to the park. Uh, my wife and I joke. We go on vacation and we pray like, Lord, that we'd be a blessing to others. But we love the jacuzzi. Um, so many, we talk about jacuzzi ministry, right? Um, <laughs> So if you, <laughs> um, but seriously, like my wife and I, we, we love to preach the gospel. We love to share to people. So it, but we love to be with ourselves. We love to talk with ourselves, but God gives opportunities. Many times in the jacuzzi, people come in and we'll have crazy conversations, uh, naked guy in the jacuzzi, which we didn't know about, um, a little awkward, but <laughs> Thank God for the bubbles. (laughs) Um, But I just want to give you guys an example here. Um, I'd just gotten off work. I'm going to the Smart and Final up here. I'm getting a couple things, and this young man comes up to me, and he starts talking to me. And again, I pray for these things. Um, He he starts asking me questions, and I start talking. Hey, how you doing, man? How's things going? And actually, life is kind of hard, and and, uh, what's going on? anxiety attacks, and get this, this is in the middle of COVID. Um, I wake up all the time, and I, I panic. I just, all of a sudden, I just, middle of the day, I'll just have a panic, and I don't understand what's going on. I said, look, man, I said, my mom died 25 years ago. Uh, she died of a massive stroke, and um, I think a week later, I, I, my arm was numb and tingly. It was, it was probably, it was totally normal, but I started, I piecing it. My mom had a stroke. Maybe I'm having a stroke. So I realized my own mortality. I'm 26 years old. Jenny and I just been married three months. I, I went through a time of anxiety attacks and panic attacks, and I taught, people knew about this. It's nothing private. I, and I tell, tell your, whatever, your friends, because, and I told this guy, I said, look, you know how I got through it? It was, honestly, I, I got through it through Christ. He is my hope, um, much prayer. Thank, thank God for a godly wife. She understood what I went through. She wasn't like, Jim, just get over it. Snap out of it. Um, we were on our knees so many times praying. Um, God, Christ was my strength. And I told this guy, and I got to pray with him in the store. And I've had it mentored to me, like, I think we get afraid, like we're in a store, I can't pray, but I prayed for this guy. And a couple years ago, Les, it was awesome, like 
Les said, Jim, I, I give a card out to people. He is like a business card, but he had his name and phone number. I said, what a great idea. I don't know how many times I, I give the card out to people like, hey, this is the church I go to. It, ha- it has a church address, has a scripture on it, and it has my wife's name on it too and phone number in case we're with a couple. Um, and this guy I got to mentor probably four months, and it wasn't, it was COVID, so he didn't want to meet with me. Uh, but I was able to text him. I called him. I prayed for him. I told him, hey, read this scripture. And he would come, Jim, thank you so much, man. It's a blessing. Several months later, he sent me a YouTube video, and he saw Jim. I, it, the video was about encouraging people with anxiety attacks and panic attacks. And it blew me away that God had used a simple thing that I was just open. Um, just, again, it, not that this happens every day, 10 times a day, but those things happen. People are drawn to Jesus Christ. If you have Christ in you, he's going to draw people unto you. And I know there's that tendency, like, well, Jim, that's you. You're a social guy. You preach the gospel. You're a pastor. But you know what? Honestly, um, and my wife, we talk about this all the time. I'm a quiet guy. I actually like to be by myself. I'm fine being by myself. I could be by myself for weeks. And I say with my wife and my kids. Um, again, I'm not, I don't, again, but when Christ puts people in front of me, the passion of Christ comes out in us, and we're going to want to mentor. We're going to want to encourage these people and, and point to Christ. So I just encourage you, um, and I tell you, man, I know people probably, it's, I'm, I'm very insecure. Um, I get uncomfortable in a lot of settings. I, I think we all do, you know. But again, and whether you're extrovert or introvert, we have to rely on Christ. He is the one that gives us the power. He's the one that allows us to continue on. Um, again, I, I just, it's, I think sometimes I, I feel, and Jenny and I talk about this, we laugh all the time. Um, I, I feel like I take people on off-roading on a four-wheel drive twist and turns. Maybe they're falling out here. Jim, where are you going with this? And I feel like I stumble my words sometimes. And, and, uh, but you know what I realize? Like, God just wants to use people that are available to speak to other people. If Christ is in you, he wants to get out to the world. He wants you to be available through you. And look, I, I, I wish I had the gift of, I think people think, oh, you got the gift of evangelism. I know what the gift of evangelism, I don't. I wish I did. Um, I've seen people just preach the gospel and people give their lives to Christ. And I wish I had that, but I praise God for what he's given me. We just have to be faithful for where we're at. How about you? How about your good works? And we do need to be mentored in this. I had some great mentors through the years. I have a great, I I love hanging out with Dave. And I I don't just say this because he's here. I think our... (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, but seriously, like, I feel like Dave's got this seminary background in, but both of us reread God's word and we love to talk about God's word with each other. And, and, um, I'll come up with something and, and Dave doesn't say, well, in my seminary days, this is how you should tr- interpret. No, Dave, I come to Dave. I think sometimes like I could be intimidating and, and Dave, this is how it's got to be done. He's like, well, Jim. But think, have you thought about this? And I love it, whether it's Andres, um, it's Gria. Uh, in love, like these guys, like, they come back, hey, Jim, what about this? Though I see your passion, but what about this? I love being with other guys that, that, can, that can 
talk generously into my life, that I can go out into the world and be an example um, to those around us. But um, again, I, I don't even have to say this, but the generosity here at this church is amazing. I, people give me notes, um, movie passes, whatever. Like it's it just those words of encouragement. I encourage you guys. That it, it all starts here in the church. This is the training ground. If you can't, if you can't gospelize other Christians, how can we gospelize those that don't know the Lord? Um, if we can't be kind to the people here, how can we be kind out in the world? This is our training zone. That's why I love to come to church in the morning, even though, again, I feel uncomfortable, but it's like God says, you know what, Jim? Be here. I want you to have the band come up here. I'm going to finish up here. These last couple of verses, and I, I don't want you guys to miss this here. He says here, verse 20, it says, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Paul, again, the, Paul turns to, into, he's, he has scribes. Paul's old. This is one of the last letters he's going to be writing. I think 2 Timothy and Titus. But um, he, he basically says, he takes over. The penmanship is his. And he says, Timothy, look, I love you like a brother. I love you like you're my son. It's that father-son relationship that God has with us. And he's telling him, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Make that, make that of utmost importance. Um, th- there's two things that can destroy a church. It's false doctrine, which he tells Timothy to guard against. And it's the influence of wealth. And thank God, like, again, we don't know what people give here. Um, yeah, we, we do what Christ has called us to do. Whether false, we guard against false doctrine, um, we're not into wealth. We want people to be generous because we know that's what God has called for us. All of us are called to be generous. But, um, and, yeah, just think about what are you guarding in your life? What is important to you? Is it the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you waking up with that on your lips? Like, God, thank you for today. Lead me. Guide me, Holy Spirit. If you're sitting here today and you've never had an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that to know that hope of eternity, I encourage you, come to me. Uh, come to one of the other pastor elders. Talk to anybody who knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I guarantee you do not want to go another day without placing your hope in Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you uh, that it is eternal. I thank you that this letter was written several thousand years ago, but it it applies to us today. Give us that perspective of wealth and money, uh, even health and even fame. Lord, that you're the one that gives it. You tell us not to seek it, to desire it. If you give it to us, praise God that we would use it to your glory. In Corinthians, you tell us... uh, You comfort us so that we may comfort others. That in our pain, you comfort us so that in others' pain, we may comfort them. I pray we walk out of here knowing that you are the truth, that we don't have to cling to you because, Lord, you hold us in your hand. You are our righteousness. You're the one that prepares us for good works. You cause us to be rich in good works, to do what is good. You are the one that allows us to guard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for these things, and I pray we walk out into the world uh, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.